B2B marketing and sales can be tough to master. Sales cycles can be long, and buyers are notoriously difficult to close. That's why you need Minds On at your side. We're a B2B marketing and digital agency that's helped more than 200 clients evolve their brands, win more business, and succeed more often. And we're ready to help you. Visit www.mindson.com today to schedule your no-obligation consultation. Now, on to today's program. I'm your host, Dan Harris, and welcome back to another episode of Minds on B2B. Thank you so much, everyone, for clicking, subscribing, sharing, downloading, and of course, listening to our podcast. This is a weekly show dedicated to helping busy B2B executives, marketers, and sales professionals stay informed, learn something new, and perhaps apply a lesson learned or run with an idea shared by our guests. As we say at Minds On, all of our minds together are better than any one mind alone. Who knows? You just might like what you hear, connect, and network with us. Today, our topic is leadership, and I am thrilled to be sharing the mic with Dennis Brower, the CEO of the Brower Group. And I can tell you firsthand, he's a true Renaissance man. He's a Naval Flight Officer, military veteran, a business leader at the enterprise level, startup level. He's an author, a coach, a keynote speaker, and an incredible son, husband, father, and a friend to many. I would like to say we both sat down in the Minds On B2B studio, but uh, we were both standing, walking around and having this conversation over the telephone. We talked about leadership, rapid and constant change in business, who leaders are inside the business, and some of the things that uh, they can look for to recognize what's happening and what they can do about it. So with that, I'd like to welcome you, Dennis, to the show. Thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, so let's jump right in. Well, the topic is leadership and the challenges facing leaders when it comes to change. So changes everywhere. I'm experiencing it, our company, our teams. Uh, it's It seems to be constant. It seems to be evolving rapidly, and it's everywhere. So uh, when you take a look at change, how do leaders deal with this change and manage it? Well, you know, it's a, it's a uniquely challenging time. You and I have known each other for a while, so, you know, I've I've told you some of my sea stories about flying on and off and around the ship under all kinds of crazy conditions. And as I go out and talk with people and share stories like that with them, you know, there, there's sort of a, a visceral uh, thrill that comes with hearing, hearing a story that comes from a cockpit in a military jet. But when you boil it down, people who are in military aviation face um, a certain set of challenges. They've got the environment around them that they're dealing with. They've got kind of what, you know, leader, leadership research calls the inner game, the psychology of the aviator, as Tom Wolfe just described it when uh, he wrote The Right Stuff. And then they've got just trying to get their mission done. And the funny thing about it is that what I find is that the reason those stories resonate with people isn't just because they're kind of fun to participate in from afar, but also because that's what I find leaders experiencing more and more in their daily lives. 
they're finding that um, in the in the market, you know, outside their companies, it's more challenging than it's ever been. They're, they're facing co- competitors who are better funded, more savvy than they've ever experienced. Inside the companies, they've got a unique set of challenges around technology and generational changes and those kinds of things. And the third thing is they've got to be able to stay in the game. They've got to be able to keep up with that level of change. So, you know, to be fair to the people that I'm working with and talk with, nobody says they don't want change to happen. What they're struggling with is they want to be part of change. They, They want to be in front of change if they can, but it's difficult to really stay in front of that curve. And the three big themes that I hear over and over and over again from leaders in, in organizations of every size, and this is uh, enterprises, you know, for-profit companies, nonprofits, uh, associations, et cetera, are really the same three things. The first is technology. It just never backs off. It seems to be accelerating every day. There's always some new technology that you need to install, you need to develop a capital budget for, or your competitors already using to steal customers from you. The yep. second is globalization. If you're if you uh, put your business out there, you're competing with everybody in the world, all six billion people, you know, who've got the same idea that you have, it seems, and want to go out there and compete. So globalization is here. It's real. We've had a lot of you know chatter about tariffs over the past several months, but it's not slowing anything down from a globalization perspective. And then the third thing is another variable that's completely outside our control, and that is uh, generational change. Right. We've got millennials moving in with a different set of expectations than the baby boomers who are retiring at a rate of nine or 10,000 people a day. And that's a big shift within a company that has an impact on cultures. And uh, you combine that with the other, the other two of, of technology and uh, globalization. And it's, it's really a lot for leaders of organizations to keep up with. Yeah. I think the, one of the other things you talk about because of those three things, those drivers uh, that are creating this, uh, change is that people are always learning, always having to think, always having to respond. And I think you call it um, people are always on, right? right? So how how do you as a leader look at your team knowing that people are always on? Um, how do you how do you work with them, communicate with them? Uh, you know, as you talk about vision, how do you communicate the vision to them to continue to innovate and grow the company? Yeah, when I talk with leaders about that, and you know, through executive coaching and, and other discussions that I have with people, there are really two things that emerge. And the first may seem self-evident, but it's something we tend to forget, and that's that leaders are people too, right? Leaders yeah. <laughs> um, have, have. I mean, it's it's true, and we tend to overlook it. We tend to want our leaders to be always on, all-knowing, and all-seeing, except when there's something that we're working on that we'd rather not have them look at, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's the perfect blend that we're looking for. But leaders are people, too, and, and they're dragged in to that always-on, why, why did it take you 10 minutes to respond? You should have responded in five minutes or four minutes or three minutes into that kind of challenge. You can get caught up in that urgency. Um, you can, you can uh, have work invade personal time, family time just time that you need to be able to, to rest your brain and maybe think about things a little bit. So that, that's the first thing. It's just that at, at a human level, it's a challenge. But the second thing is that the, the unfortunate thing about the always-on culture is that it tends to reward uh, the, the, what used to be called the squeaking wheel. I call it you know, the fire truck with the siren. And you tend yeah. to become more reactive. Your time horizons shrink. 
And, you know, I, I worked with one company where the joke was that um, the place was addicted to adrenaline. Um, once the CEO got a call that affected somebody in the company, man, the phone calls would ripple through the organization. It was just like, okay, the fire trucks are warming up. The sirens are on. Everybody's, you know, hearts are pounding and away we go. It's just like, okay, well, we're all chasing a deal today, but have we actually completed our strategic planning? Do we know where we're going to drive that fire truck? Do we know why we're fighting that particular fire? So there's that challenge with the always on uh, culture. It drags us to the immediate and the and the what's perceived as the urgent, and it can often become a false sense of urgency at the expense of our long-term plan. Now, what I find is that as we evaluate leaders uh, quantitatively, that there are sort of two responses that occur in that always-on environment. The first is that the leader is drawn to what we just described, to dealing with you know the the uh, screaming siren in the moment and dealing, you're just constantly being pulled off of the long-term plan and into the near-term crisis. And that is ultimately very damaging and very corrosive to culture. The other type of leader constitutes about 20% of most leaders in the field are ones who respond to that always-on culture to those screaming demands by focusing even more tightly around their strategic goals and applying in real time the prioritization test to make sure that what's that the, the uh, screaming siren that's getting the resources at the moment actually merits those resources and it's not being done at the expense of the long-term success or maybe even survivability of the company. So that breakdown between the leader's response, are you drawn down into the detail or are you, um, are you always more tightly focused around the agreed upon vision and, and making sure that activity engages your team and you more deeply in that um, or are you, are you chasing the latest squirrel? Yeah, and I, it's interesting because even um, when we talk about change of that nature and the reactive and, and responsive thing, I, I think back in our futures and uh, the external and internal forces that are driving that reactionary uh, response is interesting. And um, I mean, just as we were talking, I started thinking about words that I heard inside startups. It's like, Okay, you need to respond to this. Let's pivot, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, pivot. Let's flip. Let's flip this thing, right? Um, so those are all things I think that put an additional due stress on a leader. And I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit too, because I know when when you're in a reactive organization and your leadership is reactive and they're changing constantly. I mean, what impact does that have um, on on employees and staff and other leaders? Well, it's exhausting, first of all, yeah. uh, be, because it, it, it's kind of like being a cop on the beat, right? You're, you're constantly, every day is, has this level of uncertainty around it. You're constantly responding to crises. And let's face it, that, that drives an adrenaline cycle that over time, in a day or a week, is tiring. In a week or a month or a quarter is exhausting. And over a quarter or a year is just absolutely dispiriting. You just go, what are we even doing here? If we're successful at this, what have we done? We've put out all those fires, but we're not here. We didn't join a fire department. We joined a construction company. We want to build <laughs> things, not just put fires out, right? So yeah. it, becomes, it becomes exhausting, and the, the way it becomes really dangerous is it pulls your vision in. So your eyes come off the horizon, and they come right down onto the, your, your, you know, the burning problem on your desk today. Now, some days you got to deal with that. 
But if you're dealing with it every day, you're re you've really built the perfect environment for burnout and for exhaustion um, of, of you and your team. Now, the way that yeah. surfaces is you'll have some of your most talented and resourceful people come into your office, close the door and sit down and say, I need to talk with you about this. I am worn out. Where are we taking this organization? If we're successful at what we're doing, where are we going to be in a year or two? I need to know because I've got to pay my mortgage and I've got to put my kids through school. And right now, all I'm thinking about is what I need to get done by two o'clock this afternoon. Help me understand where we're going. And when you've got your good people coming in, closing the door, opening up to you and asking you those kinds of questions, that is a screaming warning sign that you're acting as a fire department instead of a construction company. That's, I mean, that's terrific insight. I mean, what are some other signs that leaders should look for that uh, they could prevent that person from walking in the door and kind of get ahead of it? You know, I, I would, one of the easiest ways to test is to randomly ask people an opinion, not, not just an opinion, but ask them to express in their own terms where the organization is going. Uh, so Jim or Jane or, or whoever, you know, based on what you're doing every day, where do you think the organization is going? How do you think it's going to change over the next couple of years? And then the flip side of that question is, and with what you're working on every day, the things that cross your desk or come through your email, how do you see them playing into that long-term vision? Now, the answer to that question I have found is very difficult for people to fake because if they believe that there is alignment between their daily priority setting and the organization's overall vision and the vision of the leader, they'll be enthusiastic, right? They'll tell you, well, look, I had a situation yesterday and uh, I could have gone direction A or direction B, but what I know about where the company's going, not just what I've been told, but what I know about where the organization is going, I decided to go with option A. And I feel really good about that. It's great to be able to have make informed decisions. If there is a disparity between those daily decisions and the overall vision of the organization, you may still get an answer that says, well, I, it'll, it'll be generic. I believe that what I do is aligned with the company. It'll lack the, it'll lack the enthusiasm. It'll lack the specificity that you get from somebody is, whose intellect and, um, and heart are really engaged in what that organization is about. And I, I think you hit the point, get out and talk to your people and share the vision. One piece of advice that you just shared was, you know, make sure you have a vision, <laughs> number one, um, and make sure you share it consistently because um, that goes a long way in helping reduce the risk of any of that reactive uh, management. So are there other, yeah. other things that, that truly matter when it comes to this idea of moving away from reactivity and into proactivity? So I, I give you just a rule of thumb. One of the things I've heard from leaders when we talk about uh, employee engagement and communications between the layers of, of hierarchies and organizations is my door is always open. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, that's very gracious. The same can be said of any really good trap, right? <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah. Of the, uh, of the entrance to an escape room. Well, the door is open. Just come in. It sounds great. And I don't want to cast aspersions on it completely, but it really does place the burden on, on the rank and file, on a person who's, who's a frontline leader 
uh, maybe an individual contributor to say, you know what, this issue has now gotten to the point that I need to put myself out there. I need to go knock on my boss's or my boss's boss's door and go in and have a really awkward conversation. So the, the line about my door is always open clearly places the, takes the burden off the leader uh, who just has to open their door, even less, simply has to not close their door. That's all that's required of the leader. And the, the manager or the person who's working for that leader has to, has to be the person to, to uh, you know, pull it together and decide that the issue is now to the point where they have to deal with it. The other rule of thumb would be what people think when you quote unquote walk the floor. So if you're a leader and you, uh, you know, at one point I had a sales team of 35 people who were in a, in a uh, bullpen, one big room. And, you know, if I walked that floor, it was just like, well, here's Dennis. Hey, I had a question for you. And it's like, okay, I had a question for you. Let's talk about your quota. Let's talk about a deal, whatever it may be. I've been in other environments where when a leader, quote unquote, walked the floor, went over to the sales department or the marketing department, the, the whispers that went behind were, what's wrong? There must be something wrong because, you know, that leader never comes over here. What could have possibly gone wrong? What's going to happen that all of a sudden that person is showing up? So when it's viewed as an exceptional event for the leader to walk to the front lines, to walk through the trenches, to go out and, and you know, help in the Navy, help clean the airplane um, in, a, in a sales force, to actually go on a sales call, when that's viewed as exceptional, the leader isn't doing it enough. They need to get out of the office and just go out and see a customer in the wild. It's absolutely a thrilling experience, and too many leaders miss out on it. Would you would you say that it's one thing to start it, but it, and it's creating a consistent cadence so that they don't have that event that happens. It's just something that happens. It's a part of that leader's day. Yeah, and I, and I would say for the leader for whom this is really uncomfortable, they're probably going to hope that I say, well, you can do it through email. But the truth is for the leader for whom this is really uncomfortable, they need to do it even more. They need to work through that discomfort and, and just yeah. make it a completely comfortable thing to go out and be face-to-face -face with people at all levels in their organization. It's interesting when you talk about this, Dennis, it's, it, it feels like common sense that that's what you should be doing. But um, as you stated before, and as I've heard in other <laughs> uh, things, it's just, it's, it's the doing of it is so challenging and so difficult. Um, it ends up creating more harm than good uh, the longer you wait. And, and just one final comment on that for because you did ask a question that I, that I want to respond to. It's like, how do you sustain it? Well, you sustain it by having meaningful engagement. So, you know, it's one thing to ask, you know, how how the soccer game went on Saturday. But if that's the, the depth of your conversation, you're really not creating a high fidelity relationship. You're not engaging with that individual. Um, there need there need to be business drivers. There needs to be a personal connection. You need to be able to weave that together for you to be viewed as a relevant part of the organization and somebody who embodies the vision and direction of the organization, as opposed to a potential uh, bureaucratic threat. Yeah. Uh, amazing advice in a short amount of time. And uh, I can't tell you how much I really appreciate the insight and I know our listeners will as well. So um, if someone wants to get a hold of you uh, for speaking engagement uh, to learn more um, how would they do that? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, uh, D.L. Brower. That's spelled B-R-O-U-W-E-R. -E and uh, a great place to start would be at my website, which is dlbrower.com. 
Uh, you can email me at Dennis at dlbrower.com as well. D, and that's yeah. one last time. It's the Dutch spelling, just like on a bottle of Heineken, B-R-O-U-W-E-R. Yeah, all right. Well, and I highly recommend everyone go to that website and listen to the story of how uh, Dennis and his <laughs> pilot uh, finally land uh, their jet on the deck of USS Enterprise. As always, um, you've, you've truly enlightened my day, and I hope that of the listeners. Um, and I hope, if you're open to it and willing, you'll come back and join us so we can talk a little bit more about other essential things that are required to be an exceptional leader. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely love to talk uh, about those issues. The thing I love about what you're doing, Dan, is that you're focused on sales leadership, marketing leadership, really the, the tip of the spear, the cutting edge of our, you know, of our organizations where we're out in contact with customers in the field. And in many cases, that's where leadership is tested, uh, you know, at the most visceral level and where it has the greatest impact on the futures of our company. So I just, I believe wholeheartedly in what you're doing here. And you know, I love to talk and debate and chat about this stuff. So anytime. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for listening to today's Minds On B2B podcast. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe. Also, feel free to share this episode with your peers and colleagues so we can keep bringing you quality content from the best minds in B2B. Until next time, from all of us at Minds On, have a great week.